Welcome to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun on the web and around the world. Life Tips President Byron White talks to the latest trendsetters about strategies to grow your business. Editor Melanie Nayer interviews celebrities and expert writers on their tips for making life enjoyable and entertaining. Now, please welcome this week's Life Tips host, Byron White and Melanie Nayer. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's Life as usual, with Byron White. Welcome, Byron. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We've got it a fun... It is hot, hot, hot outside. I don't know where everybody else is in the world, but it is really hot in Boston, which is good since it's summer, and we have some fun summer things to talk about, don't we? Indeed. It is tis, tis, uh, tis the season to be thinking things that are hot. Speaking of... <laughs> there are so many things I can do with that. Okay. <laughs> Well, we want to hear you. Welcome to expand upon that, uh, but uh, but no, I thought we'd talk about some some fun, clever uh, uh, ideas and tips and advice with regards to uh, to summer and summer fun. Um, and uh, so, what are your what are some of your favorite summer things to do, and what have they been historically with your family? Particularly, I think it'd be interesting to, to come up with some interesting. Uh, oh, my tips. family is from the. The Midwest—they're boring. They don't—they don't do much. They don't, well, the, the New York side of the family is a good time, but you know, St. Louis side—they think they're fun, but they're—they're they're not because they don't leave the air conditioning. You know what uh-huh. I mean? So steamy, barbecues, summers down in the Midwest. But I'm a beach girl. Mm. You know, any chance I get, I'm on the beach. Well, let's—I've got some interesting ideas for you. Let's let's zone in on New England. Uh, okay, let's do it. Uh, just for a few minutes, and let's talk about some very interesting, fun, popular things to do in the fine New England area. Newport Mansions in the summer. Beautiful. Have you been? L- luxurious parties. Oh, yeah, they are. Living the lifestyle of the Roaring Twenties with Rolls Royces and big, beautiful mansions with sculpted mm-hmm. property lawns. That's a real treat Climb aboard that opportunity if you can. How about Tuckerman's Ravine? Have you ever climbed Tuckerman's Ravine? What's Tuckerman's no, Ravine? what's Tuckerman's? No, what is it? So Mount Washington is uh, the probably the tallest peak, um, certainly in New England, but possibly on the East Coast, I would imagine. Um, and the backside of, tu- of, of, uh, of of Mount Washington is a ravine that is, snow- is snowy all year long. And it's uh, it's referred to as Tuckerman's Ravine, and huh. believe it or not, through the month of June and even into uh, even into July, you can actually ski and/or snowboard in Tuckerman's Ravine. Here's the trick. Okay. You have to climb it. There are no, there's no lift or helicopter to bring you up to the top. <clears throat> so you you pack your bag at the bottom of the mountain and. Pack your skis and strap them on and climb the mountain. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Cape Cod favorites? Do you have any? I love I, I love everything about the Cape. <clears throat> Lobster on the Cape. We usually go oh, Cape Cod Melody Tent mm-hmm. to a concert there in the summer, right on the mm-hmm. beach on the water. So much fun. Mm. So much fun. It's a good time. And then right across the street, go have lobster rolls. You're not buying it, are you? 
um, thinking of all the things in the Cape that come to mind. Um, Hyannis. Chatham comes to mind. Um, Provincetown or P-Town or PP-Town as we call it. (laughs) Um, There's just so many wonderful things to do uh, on the Cape. It is truly a paradise. Uh, Boating, fishing, it's just... It's just it's just a it's just a playground. It really is. Um, how about any fishing? Here we go fishing. No. What about sailing? Hmm. I love sailing in the summer. Anywhere, you know. When I think of sailing in New England, I, I really have to tell you that zoning in on Maine is is really, really wonderful. Oh. Huh. You know, Maine is such has such an ambiance that it can't be described with words. Uh, the, 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 you know, the, the rocky shores, the, the, the turquoise water, not turquoise, but the green water, uh, the cold water, I might add, but the way the fog rolls in there, it's just, it's just a special place. It's also much cooler, of course, which attracts uh, everyone in this, this uh, blazing heat that we all get uh. in the summertime. Um, what about favorite cocktails for the summer? Favorite cocktails? Cold water. Do you have any? <laughs> yeah, served in a glass with ice. Pouring for example? Over it. <laughs> for example? Oh, well, what, I mean, you know, sometimes there's nothing, nothing beats a cold beer and a burger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But then, you know, if you're at a, a nice little soiree, it's probably not appropriate to throw back a Bud Light. So you, gin and tonics are always great for summer drinks. But I don't. I'm not a fruity drink person. You know, like I'm. I'll go straight for scotch and soda before I hit the cranberry and vodkas. Know what I'm saying? All on the same night. <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> and that's a whole other story. Strangely enough, I don't know why, but 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 summer cocktails uh, are. My mind most reflective of the famous dark and stormy, uh, <laughs> which yeah. I got introduced to in Bermuda. Nice, um, and uh, and just have tried to carry it over into, uh, you know, it's just kind of a gloomy drink to be drinking on a beautiful summer day. But a dark and stormy is a refreshing cocktail. But the <laughs> mojitas have made their way into the world. Oh, you got to love the mojitas. I yeah, thought that's a the good drink. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a, a friend of mine. Um, <laughs> refers, you know, he basically is like, you know, how come you're not drinking a mojito? You know, we're all having mojitos. Like, you know, if I wanted a salad, I would have ordered a salad. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> He's hysterical. <laughs> you know, then there's the, your margaritas are always good, and, you know, everybody well, likes white are, wine are good year-round, I think. Yeah. But. I, mean, I don't know, Byron, cocktails are good year-round. I don't discriminate on seasons. Do you ever put ice in your wine in the summertime to mix it up a little bit? No. Mm -hmm. No. Sangrias interest you at all? I make one of the greatest sangrias in the world, I'll have you know. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you share the the secrets? Absolutely not. This is a show about tips and advice. We need to hear it. Cough it up. It's my secret sangria recipe. The secret to the sangria is that you soak all the fruit for 24 hours. In rum okay. and vodka. Mm-hmm. It makes for a great drink. 
So you soak the fruit in vodka. Yeah. For 24 hours before you mix the sangria together and pour the fruit in. And do you use that same fruit or you just discard that fruit and use fresh fruit? No, same fruit. Hmm. It's been soaking all night. It's have tough. You, a, you have you have to be a real you know you got to be a real man to drink it, Byron. Have you? Well, there that counts me out, I guess. I mean, it's it's a t- it's you know, it's a strong sangria, but it's good. Hmm. You wouldn't find it at any restaurants. Hmm. I haven't made it in years either. Have you ever had a Stoli Doli? We had Stoli Dolis when um, the last time. Uh, I should probably shouldn't talk about that. <laughs> What's the place that makes the awesome Stoli Dolis in Boston? Capital Grill. Capital Grill. Well, let's talk about Boston for anybody that may be visiting Boston and, and hot, There's nothing fun like Boston in the summer, summer spots. What are some of your favorite spots in the summer? For, let's say, a Friday, Saturday night, what would you recommend people do if they're visiting Boston? Absolutely go to the North End for dinner. Little Italy. Get out. And especially in the summer because all the festivals are going on. You walk around, and every weekend in the summer in the North End is a different festival honoring another saint. Uh, they have it's basically one big. Car- the neighborhood turns into a big carnival for three days. It's such a sight to see. And then you know you should always do. I mean, I, I like being outdoors in the summer. A lot of people would rather be in air conditioning, but I like to be outdoors. So I say walk over to the Constitution, take the boat back over to the Long Wharf. You know, get out and enjoy it. Go to the uh, Boston Harbor Islands are always a great time. Have you been over there? Can't say that I have. I've You've never been to the Boston Harbor boat, Islands. I've passed by in a boat, but oh, they're great. Hmm. They're great, and Castle Island is one of the is, is so easy to get to in Boston. So easy to get to, and there's tons of stuff to do over in Castle Island, and it's right in South Boston. So you go to Castle Island for the day. You rollerblade. You can lay out. Get something to eat. Go canoeing. And then head over to Southie for for pubs. Hmm. Um, have you ever been to the Triangle of Love? Uh, no. <laughs> Would you like so, to hear? <laughs> so, years ago, when I was a single lad in the Boston area, um, I had uh, we had a favorites broad down by the waterfront area, just just very close to the north end, actually where there's a famous Joe's Bar and Grill on the water. Sail Loft on the water. Great and place. one other club that I can't remember that was right across the street from the Sail Loft. The, the Living Room. Well, that's still there, but there was one right across the street from the Sail Loft in Joe's Bar and Grill that used to be a oh, famous... Oh, really? There was a bar there? It's a gym now. It's a gym now. There was a bar and a really fun bar, actually. It was kind of an old-school wooden planks, huh. you know, uh, big old you know, oak chairs at the bar, and then they had a downstairs restaurant that was actually fantastic. Um, I'll remember the name of it perhaps before the show's over, but anyway, Triangle of Love, Friday, Saturday night. That's just a fun, bustling, happening, great, happy spot, don't you think? Uh, so by the, like, the Triangle of Love, you're talking about the sale loft, Joe's Bar and Grill, and this bar that doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you got to doubt, you, yeah. If boats the bar were still there, boats moored up. You know, uh, you know, fun boat parties. Perhaps you might get a private invitation to a uh, a, a boat party. Um, it's possible. Herb to Chambers do that, I will say. has <laughs> Herb Chambers has his hundred and eighty foot yacht 
moored up close mm-hmm. to there, so you might yeah. just be invited to a little private party on that small vessel. It's, it's, not, it's not difficult to get on the boat. <clears throat> Herb Chambers' boat? Or any boat, for that matter, over there. You just need a cocktail. Offer, offer up a cocktail. They'll, get, they'll bring you on the boat. Hmm. Well, we'll we I'll show you how it's done, a few Byron. tricks of the trade. I'll show there. you how it's done. <laughs> no, it's not a problem. How about, how about Tavern on the Water? We were at Tavern on the Water last night. Great place. I wasn't Great. with you, but it sounds like a fun... Was it a fun time? Every, I think everybody did have a fun time. We did a little team building. Did a little birthday celebrating. Explain that spot to people, because it it's really is pretty special. Tavern on the Water is not at all like Tavern on the Green in New York City, which is what a lot of people think of when they think of Tavern on the Water. Tavern on the Water is literally a tavern on the water in Charlestown, Massachusetts, that overlooks all of Boston. Um, and it's just a great place to sit back and hang out and relax with your friends and all the boats come in. It's, it's also a docking spot for um, sailboats, motorboats, wh- you know, whatever, wh- what, what have you, if you will. Um, it's a great place. Hmm. Do you want to know what happened to me last night at, at Tavern on the Water? Do tell. I was carded and I got my hand stamped. How excited were you I about that? I don't know when the last time I was carded was, but even better than that, you want you want some gossip? Yeah. The table next to us, weird couple, Byron. But here's a good here's a good conversation for you. You'll you'll appreciate this. The guy was easily sixty years old. Easily, she could not have been twenty. And it was not a father daughter relationship, if you know what I mean. Mm. What was the conversation was a lot of, all about? Was it a physical relationship that was? Oh, it was physical. Was, and and it was physical in front of everybody. Hmm. Yeah. Now I said that maybe she just looked young for her age, but I was, I was told absolutely not. Did they both look happy? That's a good question. I didn't really take a good close look. The guy did. Did either of them have wandering eyes? Uh, no, they were definitely eyeing each other the entire evening. That's a sign of happiness. I know. I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. There was, just, you know, there was, it was. Sorry, I wasn't there to give a full analysis. You would, have, you would have appreciated it. You really would have, because there, you know, but, and there's, there's always, there's always characters there. My heels, and the, the whole tavern is, is, is all wood, right? The wood floor and everything. But the best part about it is that it's so old that there's cracks in the wood. So I was walking around the tavern last night, and my heels kept getting stuck in the cracks. Mm, my shoe, okay. so I would have to like slip out of my shoe, yank my heel out of the floor. But some nice guy helped me at one point. So that was, that was you know. After we come back from the break, I've got a, a text number, text uh, message number that you can type into that allows you to quickly check on the flight status, whether a flight is running late or whether or whether it's on time. Okay, well then we'll come come back after this break and you can give us that info. Life Tips on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. Drop into the Webmaster chat room. Webmasterradio.fm. Clothing is optional. Webmasterradio.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. 
best of the web, the Internet's oldest directory, EOTW.org, since 1994. Our editors scour the web, finding quality sites, providing users with spam-free resources, relevant information from valuable sites. Submit your site now for a guaranteed review in three days or less. For webmasters needing additional exposure, check out our 60-day free trial on category sponsorships. 60 days free advertising. No kidding. And don't forget the best of the web's reseller program with the industry's highest commissions. 25% recurring commission on all products and services. Bloggers, make sure to check out the BOTW blog directory and the recently launched volunteer editor program to help build the best blog resource on the web. Know how to get the best return on your advertising dollar? ClickSore.com. Yeah, ever since we began marketing with more precise content, target technology from ClickSore.com, we've seen a huge jump in visitors converting to buyers for just over one-third of a cent per view. To get over 300 categories, unlimited keywords and ad placement on over 100,000 sites, click on ClickSore.com today. That's ClickSore.com. Your bottom line will thank you. ClickSore.com. Delivers where it matters for you. Enjoying top payouts and unparalleled affiliate support is as easy as XY7.com. Just call 1-866-XY7-PAYS and see how it pays to join XY7 for increased conversions and higher revenue via the newest and hottest ad campaigns. Call 1-866-XY7-PAYS today or sign up at XY7.com and find out why thousands of other successful affiliate marketers already know. So don't wait. Call now. 1-866-XY7. Pays. That's 1-866-XY7-PAYS. XY7.com. The only ad network you'll ever need to get paid. XY7.com. And now back to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Now, here's your host. Hey, everyone. This is Melanie. Welcome back to today's Life Tips show. Before we bring our guests on, Byron and I are just sitting here chatting about fun summer plans, and uh, we were kind of getting into a little bit of travel tips. What do you got, Byron? So as mentioned before the break, um, there's a um, uh, Google uh, basically launched a service in conjunction with flightstats.com, which is a fabulous website where you can get flight online flight information. Um, and the new service has you text messaging into the following number, 466453, which interestingly enough spells Google. Um, and uh, you text message in the airline name and the domestic flight number, for example, Delta1950, to that number. And you get back a short message saying that the departure or the arrival is on time or how many minutes it's late. Is that fun? I do like it. I do like it. What's your favorite travel tip? Well, that one your was number pretty one. good. That one is good. But, like, you know, your favorite travel, like, every time before you travel, this comes to mind. Boy, I mean, uh, you know, I make a decision before I pack my bags whether I'm going to be shopping and want to buy anything. <laughs> So I always leave room in my bag if I plan on buying a shirt. So smart. (laughs) I'll take one less shirt, which will force me to buy something, and I'll have some (laughs) rationalization to pick up a new shirt. I like that. It's kind of a game. Frankly, I I play with myself. (laughs) Underpack to buy, I call it. (laughs) 
So there's a hot tip for you. How about you? You've got a few hot tips, I know. You came into my office and talked to me about your one you read the oh, other day. Oh, my favorite, my favorite tip is the passport tip. I think I've told you the passport tip. If you're traveling internationally. Our writer came up with that. What, what was the name of the writer that, that brought that to the table? It wasn't a writer that came up with it. It was, it was Melody Nair. It was, ah. Yeah, no, it wasn't even me. It wasn't even, I can't even take credit for it. Hmm. I know. Well. But it, it's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal tip. Has it found tip. its way on the life tips yet? No, it has not. I'll we'll, get it we'll, there. We'll I filter promise. it there. Absolutely. Great. Do you want to hear the tip? Lay it on us. You're always supposed to make a copy of your passport when you travel internationally, which everybody knows. But the question is, where do you put your pass- the copy of your passport so that it doesn't get lost or stolen? Obviously, you don't want to put it in your purse or your wallet or a jacket pocket because it can easily be you know, stolen on a train, plane, or automobile. And um, there are so many things that can happen. So what you do is you make a copy of your passport and you fold it up nice and tightly and in the sole of one of your shoes, take out the bottom cushion sole, put the passport in there, put the sole back on, and you've got a protected place for your passport copy. Hmm. Isn't that a great tip? I don't think there are many flaws in it, although it could you're, throw off your arch a little bit. <laughs> it's a piece of pay. It, it, no, you're not. Don't try to find flaws in my tip. It's perfect. It's a perfect uh-huh. tip. Speaking of things that are done perfectly, Byron, mm. you're always a great speaker when it comes to some of these uh, SEO shows and, and uh, events around the world. Vegas, for example, is one of your favorite places to go and be a featured, featured speaker um, to all of our webmasters and, and SEO. What are some of the tips you have uh, for getting up and speaking in front of an audience, because we're going to talk to some of our guests today about their new book, The Confident Speaker, and also how to deal with a hostile audience. What are your thoughts on that? We'd have to ask Hillary Clinton about the hostile audience. Uh, yeah, boy, she's I know used that's, to it. That's a tough question. She, she delivered a speech. I'm not sure if you caught that and, and got, got a lot of flack. She had actually oh, gotten yeah. flack from that particular audience to the year before, and she came back and faced the crowd. I thought that was a little bit ambitious of her. Good for her. Yep. Anywho, you know, um, I think our guests today are going to offer much more insight than I can uh, possibly bring to the table in a, in a, in a quick summary. But, um, you know, it's all about homework and preparation and, and learning what, what, what the hot buttons are and, uh, you know, telling them, uh, telling the audience, you know, uh, you know, something that adds value and keeps them entertained. One of my favorite things to do when I prepare for speeches is to try to break it down into 10 important slides, perhaps, or bursts of information um, and, uh, and, and to actually put numbers on them as you're presenting. So if, as people are going through, they can uh, know that the end is coming near <laughs> <laughs> as, you, as they track through your presentation so they really don't you know, become frustrated and and, uh, and not know when the end of the show is going to happen. So there's there's my hot tip for you. All right. Well, when we come back, how about you? Me. You've what? done some speaking in your day. Matter of fact, you were just in I do do uh, uh, Texas recently day. speaking. Tell tell us what your I favorite was tips in are. Texas. Mm-hmm. Tell us what your favorite tips are with regards to speaking. Although I want to come back to the summer thing because I have some another one fun idea I want to I want to throw out. 
All right, we'll throw that. We'll 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 end we'll end with some summer. But um, our, our guests are anxiously waiting on the line already. We're excited to have them here. Um, authors Harrison Monarth and Dr. Lorena Case, who um, just published the Confident Speaker, and it's actually number nine on the New York Times bestseller list this month. So as soon as we get back from this break, we are going to talk with. Uh, Harrison Monarth and Dr. Lorena Case. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Life Tips on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that ValueClick Media had netted FastClick, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenIsRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with ValueClick Media. i got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit ValueClick Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details value click media and now back to life tips the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun only on webmasterradio.fm now here's your host hi everyone it's melanie and i'm back with byron and we are excited to welcome today's guest authors Harrison Monarth and Dr. Lorena Case, the authors of The Confident Speaker, which recently debuted on the New York Times bestseller list. So welcome to you both. We're happy to have you here. Hi, Melanie. Hi, Byron. Thanks for having us. Well, listen, let me first let me start by asking you, you this question, um, Dr. Case, and just how, why hostile audiences? Why was that the focus of this particular book, of all the things when it comes to public speaking? <laughs> well, that's that's one of the focus focus areas in this book because it's one of the most intimidating and anxiety increasing situations when your audience is or when you perceive them to be hostile or not engaged or bored or un, uninterested in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, do, I mean, then you're talking to clients, you're talking to business professionals, you're talking to give me some background as to your audience. Well, this book actually can be used by anybody. Specifically, we talk about speaking in business situations. So how are you talking up in meetings, speaking with your boss and other authority figures, giving formal presentations, giving your elevator pitch or marketing yourself, Mm -hmm. um, speaking with colleagues, water cooler conversations, all of those types of situations. Absolutely, absolutely. Harrison, um, tell me a little bit about these seven secrets that you guys came up with. Yeah. Um, well, the, uh, one of the things that's critically important is to anticipate any kind of uh, cognitive dissonance in the audience, any kind of uh, skepticism or uh, criticism that you're going to face. So the, the need to anticipate is critical here. And so when you go into a situation where you know your audience is going to be potentially hostile, but at least critical and, and demanding, you have to have an objective. So in other words, you have to know what your message is and what you want the audience to do after you're done talking. Um, 
Another point is to stay calm, because when people are hostile or they're, they're uh, very demanding, they're, they tend, the emotions tend to run over. So you have to stay calm in order not to escalate what is already going on in the audience. Also, being positive and, and looking, for, looking for common ground, because there are, there, are always, there are always ways, I should say, where you can find common ground and where you can level with the audience and where you can make a concession and, and, and identify the vulnerabilities of your position and say, look, I understand where you're coming from, but have a look at my, my side of this issue as well. And so we have stay calm, be positive, have an objective, and get prepared. Byron was saying earlier preparation is key, and that's absolutely key. You have to know who the audience is and why they potentially have a hostile position towards your your argument or your your persona or you know it could be all kinds of issues why they're uh, skeptical and hostile but so get prepared know the audience know where they're coming from and then also sticking one to of, the fact I'm sorry go ahead uh, no one one of the points I want to ask you about and this is one that I think is is one of the most important aspects of public speaking and you note it in your book is be aware of your body language right Body language says so much when you're standing up in front of an audience. Oh, it is. It's, it's the eye contact. It's your facial expressions. It, uh, your body language really tells the audience to a large extent whether you are with them or you are distancing yourself from them, if you're connecting with them by how close you are to them. I mean, there are so many, so many things you can do with body language that really show whether you're, whether you're willing to work with them or not. And, you know, it's so interesting to watch because you can be listening to the speaker who is the CEO of a very profitable company, you know, very well-known, a, a big local celebrity, if you will. But the, when the body language is off, the whole speech just completely goes away. Absolutely. Now you're not it, just it, looking at the CEO, you know, the CEO that you've admired. You're trying to figure out what they're saying. Right. It's the body language and the vocal tonality that convey the majority of the message. The words are important, but ultimately it is your nonverbals and your vocal tonality that really help create the meaning in the mind of the audience. One of the things you talk about is establishing a common ground. Right. And I always, I always had a little bit of, of, of trouble with this. Um, let me give you an example, and um, Dr. Case, feel free to jump in here and, and give me your thoughts on it. But it's so important, as you, as you talked about, Harrison, to connect with your audience and it's let them know that you have a connection with them, that you have something in common with them. But at right. the same time, I also feel like sometimes I'm degrading the fact that, you know, they might be older than me and, and more educated, or they might have been in business longer than me, so they know a little bit more than I do. How do you sort of manage that fine line? I think that's yeah, go ahead, think got to a really important point there, which is that no one ever wants to feel condescended to, and that's one of the things that is really likely to make people hostile is if they feel that your information is either at too high of a level, which makes them feel dumb, or that your information is at too low of a level, which makes them feel that you think that they're dumb. So really important is to engage them, and if you're feeling that they are, are feeling dumb or, or uninterested or unengaged, is to ask them questions and get them get them more involved. And something you can do before all of this is, is the preparation. And that might be surveying your audience members, getting information about what they need, what level of information they already have, and that way you can pitch to the right level so that you're not aiming too high or too low. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
I've got a few questions for you. Make that a few thousand because I think this is a really fascinating topic. Mm -hmm. um, tell me a little bit about, um, and, and either of you can chime in to these challenging questions that I'll lay at you here, but mm -hmm. tell, tell me a little bit about the role that humor should play or needs to play in connecting with the audience. Well, humor is important in that it can diffuse a potentially tense situation and that humor is not to be confused with telling jokes because telling jokes can most of the time can fall flat. Jokes have so many traps that can be offensive, that can be insensitive uh, at the expense of someone else. So jokes are very dangerous. But really being able to make light of a situation or showing a lighter side of yourself and potentially uh, really showing the, the audience that you're human and that you have a lighter side really helps humanize you to the audience and make you bring you a little bit closer as opposed to being a, a corporate figure that is just spewing facts and figures. And, you know, have you really studied what, you know, what, what the reactions are at, at conferences where people are speaking? You know, have you studied and analyzed, and I'm sure you have, but what is it that people say, you know, oh, that speech was great, you know, and I loved that, that was interactive, and, you know, what is the connection point that, that, that people are raving about when they see a, a fabulous speaker? Lorena, you want to take a shot at this? Sure, yeah, and then you can add to it. I think that yeah. humor, as you mentioned, is a, is a huge one. If people are entertained, if it made them laugh, that's great. Another, another really big one is likability. If someone feels that that speaker is just really human, really likable, really authentic and transparent, and someone that they'd want to go out to lunch with and get to know when their personality shines through, that, that's a big one. And then the bottom line is what is the takeaway message? So am I able to walk away and have one thing that I, that's either shifted the way that I look at the world or can be a new way of doing things that I can actually really see a potential change and shift in my life happen from that? that speaker's presentation. Exactly, and I'd add to that that the audience, um, and, and Lorena kind of said it already, but the audience wants to feel like they're getting something. Nobody likes to have their time wasted. So if the speaker speaks the audience's language and really tries to connect, and there has to be congruency. So in other words, verbally, non-verbally, and with their vocal tonality, the speaker has to engage and stimulate the audience during the talk in order to keep them interested, because it's so easy for us to let our attention drift if we're not stimulated. And so a good speaker, somebody that, that gets the praise and, and the, and the uh, admiration of the audience, is someone who keeps the audience engaged and gives them something of value where they're leaving and saying, wow, that was worth my while. Tell me how you have uh, helped to analyze someone's energy and enthusiasm and and, and and then tell me whether energy and enthusiasm are important in the, in the speaking process. Well, it's, it's critically important. And uh, when one of the things that we do when we coach clients is we tape them. So we videotape, we, we play back for feedback and rehearsal. Clients often see that they either have an abundance of energy or the right amount of energy or they have not enough energy. And so that is often the case where someone feels like I'm giving, uh, I'm presenting fairly well, but then they see themselves played back on tape and they go, wow, I am absolutely dull or I, I don't get my points across well. And, and so energy and enthusiasm, you really have to find that sometimes 
within your talk, within your material, because if you've given a speech or if you've given a talk to a particular audience many times, and you've addressed the same types of audiences many times, it's very easy to sort of slip into a, a comfort zone where you're just a talking head. But so the work is that you have to find the energy and the enthusiasm and project it, just like an actor goes on stage and, and has to absolutely connect with the audience and has to, has to speak with emotion and speak with, with uh, energy in order to make their point, in order to, to stimulate the audience. And that's one reason that nervous speakers actually have an advantage. A lot of times they think it's disastrous that they're anxious about public speaking, but anxiety is, in fact, energy. It just depends how you interpret that, that physical response in your body. So anxious speakers are able to appear more energetic and more enthusiastic if they just channel that anxiety in the right way. Flip the coin and imagine that um, you're you're coaching a professor that, if you will, gives speeches you know three three or sometimes five days a week to students and groups. You know, can even a, a professor get stale in their speaking abilities? Um, do we constantly need to be refining you know our communication to to audiences? Yes. Yes, you, so. have, you, you have to you have <laughs> to find. What it is that, uh, your, again, your objective, that's where the objective comes in. It's what am I trying to do as I'm speaking today? And, again, this could be a daily process. Anytime you get up to communicate with someone, what is my objective and how best do I get it across? And one way is to always making sure you're connecting with your audience and, and if you feel like you're slipping, if you feel like you're drifting in terms of your energy, you have to remind yourself, okay, I can't let these people, I have, to, I have to get a hold of them. I have to get their attention. I, in order to get my message across, which is why I'm speaking in the first place, I really have to stimulate them. And just because it's the same group, so you might be, if a professor is speaking to the same type of class all the time, each group is completely different. So they can't make the assumption that they need to present the material in the same way to a new group of students. They want to take, take the temperature of the audience and figure out how to best engage that particular group. We have a lot of webmasters as our profile target uh, listener here. Tell us what's happening um, you know, with, with your website, gurumakeover.com, and tell us what can be accomplished online with regards to training and development and, and, and betterment with regards to your speaking. Uh, you're speaking of the, the Guru Maker website, and it's Guru Maker, by the way. Um, so it's gurumaker.com. And... GuruMaker.com, the company, coaches political candidates, Fortune 500 executives, on uh, many times in one-on-one -on -one situations. Online, you can certainly coach someone and you can certainly transfer information and train people. The more you see of someone, though, if, if, if client and coach can see one another and hear one another's vocal tonality, really your, your, the results are going to be much faster, they're quicker, they're more dramatic than if I just have someone complete an online course or listen to an audio tape, because again, the nonverbal aspect, which is over half of the message, gets lost there. And so now, Lorena and I have created the website, theconfidencespeaker.com, and theconfidencespeaker.com, of course, is the website revolving specifically around our book and the topics that we discuss in the book. And uh, so we also offer coaching services there. But it's really the book is, is, is designed to help people in all types of situations, and that is from the 
from the social interaction at a party or a chamber of commerce event to and to a talk of, of, of uh, an audience of thousands, where you again always with the objective you want to connect and get your message across, whatever that message is. And I think something important for webmasters to remember, especially um, web designers in particular, is that it takes about 10 seconds, or maybe it's two seconds, I forget, there's research from Stanford University that shows very quickly people form their impression based on the look and feel of the site. And the same thing is true for speakers. Very quickly, based on body language especially, as we talked about earlier, people are going to form their impression about how credible you are and whether or not they need to stay around to listen. Same thing is true for websites. And that was something we really thought about in creating the confidentspeaker.com is that it's clear and crisp and gives that, that credibility and that impression right off the bat that we want to uh, convey. Mm-hmm. Are there any tips that come to mind in preparation or in, in analyzing yourself and your speaking abilities? Well, one of them I would say is anytime you have a chance to speak in front of an impartial audience. And I always tell people, uh, never never get feedback from someone who's either seen you naked or has changed diapers because they're going to be way too nice. Uh, so get in front of an audience that is able to, to give you objective feedback as far as your vocal tonality is concerned. Do you, do you come across with energy and passion? Uh, the words are the, do the words really present the message you want to present? And your nonverbal communication, is it energetic? Is it, is it warm? Is it, does, it, does it illustrate what you're saying? Does it illustrate your points? Do your gestures make sense? Do they seem to come from within or are they, are they staged? And so that, that kind of preparation is a key. And videotape helps as well. So if you take yourself and then look at it from the perspective of a, of a deep observer, then Again, you're getting a different perspective than when you're the speaker and you really don't have that ability to watch yourself. So that's a great uh, way to uh, prepare. And also research, of course. Always researching your audience as much as you can, learning as much as you can about them, about their opinions, about where they stand on the issues that you're presenting, how much they know already, and what, what they will take away from you. And that's key. You must give the audience something. That's a value. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and theirs. Do you think that there's a fine line of, of self-promotional and/or company promotional, um, you know, uh, content within a speech that is is needs to be monitored? Yeah. The, if if the audience is perceiving you as overly self-promotional, that is something that's going to trigger hostility and irritation. So while you do need to promote yourself, and that's often one of the reasons that you're doing your speech in the first place, you need to find creative ways to do it such that it can benefit your audience and you both. So it's really win-win. So for example, something that that I often recommend to professional service people is to give client examples. That way audience members are able to relate to those examples and see how your ideas could benefit them, just like the person in your story. And you're giving an example of how you help somebody, which thereby shows the benefit that you could also help them achieve. And do you feel that there are people that you literally cannot help with their speaking abilities? <laughs> um, it's, I mean, someone has to be motivated, right? They have to 
push themselves outside of their comfort zone and do the work and take risks and, and try some things differently. If they're not willing to do those things, then they're not going to be helped. If someone is willing to do all of the work, I've never had the experience of someone not making change. And I've worked with people who have severe public speaking anxiety who wouldn't, who are going to lose their jobs and really weren't performing at all, and they were able to make good progress. So I think it's, it's pretty pretty uncommon. I agree with Lorena that it really has... Only if someone is motivated and is really not willing to to take any steps towards improvement with the techniques and the strategies and the skills that we teach them is is there a lack of progress. But I have not come across anyone that really um, has that issue. Most people that come to us, they're very motivated because there's a pain in their life that they want to that they want to alleviate. Mm -hmm. I noticed that that your sites hone in on the pain point aspect as sort of your sales pitch? Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is that how you're connecting with your audience? Are there people that really have deep-seated pain about an anxiety that is, that is associated with, this, with, with the speaking opportunity? Absolutely, and it's not even necessarily that the anxiety itself is so painful. For some people, they have pretty mild anxiety, but what's painful is the feeling that it's holding you back, that you are not achieving your full potential, that you can't do everything that you would like to do because you haven't mastered the art of communication. That's that's really where the pain comes from, and that's what motivates us to help people. For listeners that are uh, that are tuned into the show, um, how can they get a hold of you, either of you, if they wanted to take this uh, take this knowledge to the next level and learn a little bit more about uh, speaking anxiety? Well, the best place is to look at theconfidentspeaker.com, and there's several resources there. We have a Charisma Quotient quiz that's free to take, and several other special reports and other resources. And people can also learn about coaching and the book, theconfidentspeaker.com. Sounds great. Well, we've enjoyed having you on the show today, Harrison Monarth and uh, and Dr. Kay's really, really exciting stuff here. I hope that we thank you. In in some way, made a speaker better. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for the great questions. Yes, great questions. Sure. Thank you very much, Byron. I'll leave everybody with a hot list of potential books, summer reads for the summer, to end our show here. Um, Seth Godin has a new book out called The Dip, which is which is supposedly a, a great read. I'm going to pick that up myself. It basically it's a book that teaches you when to quit, in parentheses, when to stick. Um, and it's an interesting read, uh, focusing on a lot of CEOs that have been through huge dips, and and uh, and, uh, and 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 when is the time to quit with what you're doing? When is the time to keep it going? It's an interesting and, and uh, interesting exercise, and it's a very small little book. It's only a few pages and sells for ten dollars approximately. Some of the other hot reads out there that I think I'm going to pick up. Um, Small is the New Big, another book by Seth Godin that's fairly new. Made to Stick by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. Um, All Marketers Are Liars. That's an interesting read. Um, I wrote part of that book, and it's pretty interesting, also by Seth Godin. The Purple Cow I've read before, but I may reread it. It's such an inspirational uh, piece that really helps you identify with distinguishing characteristics of whatever you're doing. Um, highly recommend it. Um, another book on my list is Founders at Work, um, Stories of Startups in the Early Days um, by Jessica Livingston. 
Uh, simpleology is kind of uh, kind of interesting. Um, bit literacy is all about productivity in the age of information and email overload. That is is one that I'm looking forward to reading this summer. And finally, clear blogging: how people blog and they're changing the world around them, and how you can join them. Eh, I'm going to take a look at that one before I buy it, but that uh, came across my desk from somebody else that recommended it to me. So thanks for chiming in, everyone, and we'll see you next week. And uh, enjoy the start of the summer and the rest of the summer. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>